on today. But uh, last time I was here, thank you for your prayers as I was out ministering last week um, in, uh, in revival. But God did some amazing things, so thank you for your prayers for that. Uh, we left off speaking about God-sized dreams, right? How many people remember us talking about God-sized dreams, right? Um, and so I, I just want to use this really quickly as a text scripture uh, for those that were not here. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust God from the bottom of your heart. This goes just for everything that you're doing. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do. I love that. Uh, one scripture says, acknowledge the Lord in all thy ways. And what? He will direct your path. He'll give you guidance, right? It says, listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. I mean, could you imagine if we just learned to listen to the voice of God, how much better we'd be, right? If we just learned to listen to the voice of God, how much better we would be. And so uh, I made a statement a couple of weeks ago, and I said that um, we have to take our thinking to a higher level. We started talking about exponential thinking, right? And we define exponential thinking as setting goals so big, so far beyond anything you've ever attempted before, that God has to take over or you will fail. I mean, Brother Tomar, that, that, that's a big definition right there. That's exponential thinking. Setting goals so big, so above your resources, that if God doesn't step in, Sister Gail, you will fail. I mean, that's big, right? And I think I'm a pro at exponential thinking. I'm, get, I'm getting better. You guys are stretching me at exponential thinking. I tell you, I, I didn't know how much of an exponential thinker I wasn't until I started pastoring, right? A man, it's, it's, you have to be an exponential thinker. You got you to gotta set the goal so big, so large, until people look at you like, what in the world is he believing God for? It, it, has, it has to make no natural sense, right, when you look around. So we're going to talk about that today just a little bit. But um, what, what allows you to think exponentially, and I need you to hear me. I'm only going to be about 15, 20 minutes, but these are going to be, I'm going to give you extra today because you pressed out on the holiday, all right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pour a little extra gravy on top of it for you and give you some, yeah, some, some good stuff, right? Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, exponential thinking starts with kingdom-minded thinking first, right? You can't just be a church thinker, you know, where uh, I'm in my routine. Uh, I'm coming to church. I'm doing my piece. That's it. But I don't want to see change. Christ came to change the world. Well, we all agree with that. He came to change the world. And if the Bible says that mind that was in Christ, let it also be in you, how do you not have a mindset to change the world? How, how, how do you have the mind of Christ and you don't have a mindset to change the world? It's impossible for you to have the mind of Christ and not have a mindset to change the world. You have to. He came to change the world. He came to impact the entire world. And if we have the mind of Christ, it, it, it will, I, I can't think past or be uh, below that. You have to think as a world changer. You are a world changer, but it starts with being a kingdom thinker. I, put, I wrote this down, and I said this a couple weeks ago. I said system implementation or replacement only happens in the realm of kings. System implementation or replacement only happens in the realm of kings. And the example that I had used was I said that uh, we have something called uh, Obamacare in our country. And listen, brother, I don't care which side you're on. Uh, we have Obamacare, and we have another president now who's here who says he wants to replace 
Obamacare. Now, Obamacare is not a program. It is a system. It is a health care system. And there's another king who's now in, 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 in the seat that says, I want to replace a system. So kings don't talk about replacing programs. They talk about replacing systems. And it's not abnormal to hear a king have that discussion. But if I came here and said, we're going to replace the health care system in America, you look at me like I was crazy, right? <laughs> because, because, you know, you're, you're, you're not understanding the authority that God has given you to replace systems. Is this too much for you this morning? Okay. Uh, so we're talking about replacing systems. So you have to get into the habit of having king mindset conversations. God-sized dreams are king-minded conversations. David, Daniel, Joseph, uh, uh, th these are people that God gave system solutions. So I, I, I don't have in me a, a, a solution for you to pay your mortgage next month. I don't have that, right? But I have system solutions. Whereas if, if you're having an issue with your whole finances, God has given us a system in his word that we can apply to our life through tithing, offering, and giving with joy that will replace the current poverty system that is operating in your whole entire life. Does, am I making sense here today? So, so there, there are systems that we are living by or processes that we are living by that is not biblically based. So we're getting broken results. But if you replace that with the kingdom of God thinking, then you begin to get kingdom results. Somebody say kingdom results. So Daniel, David, Joseph saw system ideas, solutions, because they were tapped into the mind of God. Every introduction into a new dimension will always require an act of obedience. Every introduction to a new dimension will always require an act of obedience. So let's look at a scripture in the book of Exodus chapter 2, verse 21. Let's look at an example of this real quickly. And I want to talk about Moses just for a little bit. I love talking about Moses. Moses is an awesome man of God. Um, and let, let, let's look at this because I, you're going to get an idea of what we're going to do as a church to move forward on what God has called us to do. But you've got to have exponential thinking. Somebody say exponential thinking. Come on, exponential thinking. Come on and say it. You've got to think outside your ability, outside your resources until you're just totally leaning on God. I mean, you're just out there. You're just, you're, I mean, you're out there. God, if you don't do it, it ain't going to be done. I mean, that, God loves when you get to that place where you say, God, if you don't do it, I, I'm just, I, I'm done. I'm cooked. You know, when, when Ray and I moved out here, I mean, we all nets were moved. No, 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 no guarantee of, a, of, of, of anything. Zero. No one gave us a guarantee. All we knew was that God told us to go to Philadelphia to start this church. And, and uh, man, exponential thinking. <laughs> you know, if, and, and so many times I told God, I said, God, man, if it was just Ray and I, this would be so much easier. You know, I would love to go out there and take this risk, you know, <laughs> if it was just Ray and I. I'd be more than glad to go out there if it was. I said, Lord, but, you know, we got three kids, and we got a, and at that time, Noah was, y'all remember, Noah was, was a little something. And I said, man, it's me, the kids, Pastor Rick, and Ray. That's it. That's, that, that's all there is. And I said, but no net, no net. Exponential thinking says, God, if you don't do it, we fail. And, and just in case you didn't know, it's expensive to start a ministry. <laughs> Newsflash, it costs a lot of money to start a ministry. It costs a lot of money to keep it going. It costs a lot of money to, to, uh, to have a building. Do all the, it, you have no idea the cost to start a ministry with no guarantee. Exponential thinking. Believe in God for a harvest of a city. 
I mean, that, that's exponential thinking. Uh, and I'm new here. It's not like I'm established in the city. I'm new here. Who, do, who am I to think that God's going to do something like that? When you got people who've been here for 20 years can't break it. Who, 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 who am I to think? Well, I, I'm crazy enough to believe God, that God has called us here because exponential thinking says that if God, if you don't do it, it won't be done. I, I know I can't do it. I know my strength can't do it. I know you can't do it. But if we can believe God, if we can stand on the promises of God, guess what? It can be done. Somebody say it can be done. Now, I love the scripture, says the Chris, in Exodus chapter 2, verse 21 through 22. It says, Moses agreed to settle down there with the man, his father-in-law, and then gave his daughter Zipporah to him for his wife. She had a son, and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I'm a sojourner in a foreign country. So the Bible says that Moses was content where he was. The, Amplified, the King James Version said he was content. He was ready to settle down. He was like, this is great. I done found me a boo. I'm married. We, gonna, we done had a baby. You know, he's ready. He is, he's ready to settle down. Some of y'all, before you got the RCC, you was ready to settle. I'm ready to settle down. I'm going to take it easy. And then God bumped you into us. Well, the baby was about to take it chill. God bumped you into RCC. <laughs> right? I, I, I mean, this is great. Moses was ready to settle down. He was ready, Rob, to just sit back, chill out, just not do much. I'm going to relax a little bit. But, uh, uh, but something happened. So look at Exodus chapter 3, next chapter, verse 9 through 10. Now, behold, the cry of the Israelites came to me. This is God speaking to Moses. And I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh. Moses is like, wait a minute. How did I get involved in this conversation? I'm ready to settle down. Come on. One chapter ago, he was ready to settle down. He got married. He's relaxed, uh, our brother Tomar. And now in Exodus 3, God's saying, hey, uh, uh, the people of Israel have come up to me. They got issues. And I need you to go talk to Pharaoh that you may bring forth my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Next verse says, Moses like, God, this is, this is not part of my plan. I, I, I mean, listen, we all got a plan. But God knows how to interrupt your plan. God knows how to come and say, I know you're ready to settle down and, and kind of relax a little bit. God's like, no. Moses was the same person. Since the B, he was ready to settle down. But God then gave him an assignment to the girl and said, listen, I want you to go to Pharaoh and have a conversation. Now watch this. Pharaoh was not the community leader. Pharaoh was, he was a king. Here it is. God giving a man of God what? System solutions to address a system. So when God calls kingdom-minded people together, it's to address a system. Somebody say address a system. Moses is comfortable in chapter 2, chapter 3. God speaks to Moses. And it's really funny because if you read chapter 3 from 1 down to verse 9, God appears to Moses and he's just telling Moses, you know, the people of Israel. And I'm sure Moses is like, yeah, wow, God, that's amazing. Yeah, they're in captivity. Wow, they're messed, that's messed up. They're in slavery. My goodness. I know. I saw it. That's, I mean, that's a shame. You should really do something about that. And then God gets to verse 10. Come now, therefore, I'm going to send you. I mean, that verse 10 is a game changer, Fred. It's a game changer. Because it's one thing to tell me about what's going on somewhere, but it's another thing to say that I'm going to be the solution. Because now my settling down has gone out the window. 
I mean, one through nine, God's talking to him. Moses is not saying anything. God says something in verse 10, verse 11. Moses speaks, uh, Moses speaks up and says, wait, time out. You know, I, I was fine where I was at. I was fine about to retire. I was fine just chilling out at the church I was at. I, I was incognito. Nobody knew who I was. I came to church. I went home. I was fine living in New York. I was fine doing it. And God says, wait a minute. There's some issues going on, and I need you to be the solution. Wow. And that wasn't an easy solution. Look at this in verse. We're almost there. We're almost done. Look at this. Exodus chapter 12, verse 37. And the Israelites journeyed from uh, Ramesses to Sakath. About 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. I told you. I told you. So Moses wasn't, he had an assignment, uh, Brother Ben, but it wasn't like, Moses, I want you to go get five families out of Egypt, you know, through the Underground Ground Railroad. We're going we're to we create a path for you to get five families out. That's easy. Okay, great. We've got, but it's 600,000 men, not including women and children. So when, when you read into it, they estimate it was close to four million people that Moses led out of, led out of Egypt. And, and I looked at something, uh, Pastor Rick, that really blew me away because I said, man, Moses had to lead four million people out of Egypt. I mean, that, that, that's a big number. I don't care who you are. That's huge. Uh, and and, and, and a com- one of the commentaries said, to feed that many people, you would need 1,500 tons of food a day. 1,500 Tons. One ton is 2,000 pounds. 1,500 tons of food per day, per day, to feed 6 million people, not including the livestock that they had. And God didn't give Moses no, there was, <laughs> there was, there was no like, hey, Moses, you're going to lead these people out of Egypt, and when you get to over there to the bro- over there, you're going to have food, and when you step over there, it was like, God, how are you going to feed these people? And so imagine the miracle now when water comes out of a rock. Think about how miraculous that really is. (laughs) How miraculous that really is when you think about the millions of people that that rock had to provide for. Think about manna falling for millions of people. God would never call you to do an assignment and not provide for you in the assignment. Okay, I'm going to say that again. God would never call you to do an assignment and not provide for you in the assignment. He's not going to tell you to go do something and then leave you out there hanging because it's exponential thinking. God always gives you an assignment and he provides for you in the assignment. If he can provide in the wilderness, he can provide in Philly. My goodness. If he provided in the wilderness, he can provide in Philly. He can provide in Jersey. I mean, come on. He's an exponential kind of God. 600 men. It said that 1,500 tons of food per day Watch this, 4,000 tons of wood as fuel, because there was nighttime, 4,000 tons of wood, and this is the best one, 11 million gallons of water every day. Man. And we're talking about, well, I got to find my five people. (laughs) Well, we're trying to fill up the church. It only sees 300, but but we Exponential thinking. And I told you last week that we full out, there's 1.5 million people in the city of Philadelphia. You gotta think exponentially. How are we gonna reach all 1.5 million to tell them about Jesus? How are we gonna let them know? You gotta have exponential thinking. I love this scripture. We're gonna give you three more scriptures. We're gonna pray. Exponential thinking in the Bible. When we look at Isaiah chapter 51, verse 2, 
It says, yes, ponder Abraham, your father and Sarah, who bore you. Think of it. One solitary man when I called him, but once I blessed him, he multiplied. Man, I love that scripture. That once he was an ordinary person, but once God blesses you, your ordinary becomes extraordinary. And God multiplies you. So my question is, how many people are ready for multiplication? Ready for God to, thank you for raising your hands. To be, thank you for uh, uh, God to multiply you. You may be ordinary now, but if you let God bless you, you become extraordinary. Everything you touch. Well, I mean, this, this ought to give you kind of, well, who am I? Well, who was Abraham? Well, I don't have that background. Who was Abraham? Abraham was nobody according to the scripture. One solitary man. But when I called him and blessed him, he multiplied. When God calls you and blesses you, you multiply. When God calls you and puts his hand on you, you multiply. When God gives you an assignment and says, I'm going to be with you, you multiply. Are you understand what I'm telling you? Abraham was ordinary. God loves taking ordinary people and doing extraordinary things with them. He likes taking ordinary churches and doing extraordinary things with them. He likes taking people that no one else would expect, that comes out of nowhere. They're going to look and say, where did you guys come from? We were ex- just an ordinary church willing to believe God for the extraordinary harvest. Willing to believe God for the extraordinary harvest. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 2 through 3. I love this scripture because we're not going to wait until the harvest comes. And I was on, on a call with some of the leaders this week, and I said, we're not going to wait until later. We're going to prepare for the harvest now. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. When you come to church and you're serving, don't hold back. Don't wait So I'm going to join auxiliary when the people start coming. Don't wait for then. Start now. That's like me saying, I'm going to start preaching when people show up. Y'all know me, whether there's two people, three people, worship is going to start. And you get here, you get here. <laughs> right? I, I, I mean, because, because what? It's not about you. It's for him. <laughs> I, I, I preach for an audience of one. I'm being obedient to one person. I'm worshiping one person. I'm here to preach to be obedient to the voice of God. And listen, if you can benefit from that, great. But I'm being obedient to the assignment, and he does everything else. So when that clock goes down, they're like, should we wait? No, we're not waiting because God's here. <laughs> God's here. He's here. He's always on time. He's never late. He's not like us. He always shows up when he's supposed to. And he says, enlarge your tent. Do not hold back. I mean, I'm preaching now. You would think the whole building's full. You would think, oh, okay, I'm just going to sit here. No, because it ain't for you. It's for him. I'm not holding back. Come on. He says, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right, to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. He said, prepare now because the harvest is coming. Get ready now for the harvest is coming. I'm going to read one more scripture in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 6. And we're going to pray. Somebody say, God-sized dreams. When you think of your business, think of a God-sized business. When you think of what God's called you to do, God-sized. Because when you say it's a God-sized thing, you need God to step in and make it great. Are you understand what I'm telling you? God-sized. If you think that God gave you a nonprofit organization to start for women, for men, for children, God-size it. God-size whatever he gave you. You know, when my kids go, you know, when we go to, uh, to McDonald's, they say, do you want to supersize that? Right? Do you want to make that larger? Or you just want the regular? They used to start off with small. Now when you order something, it always starts with a medium now. 
don't know if you noticed that. There's no more small. You got to request a small. Right? You got to request a small, but it starts off with a medium. Then they got the nerve to ask you, you want to supersize it. Right? And God is asking you today, you know, well, let me supersize something in your life. Gosh. Come on. Come on. I, 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 need, I, I need two people to get with me today. He said, let, let, let me supersize something. Stop, stop living medium life. Stop, stop living mediocre. And, and living in mediocrity. Let me supersize your dreams. Let me breathe on it and make it bigger than what it is. Are you understanding what I'm here today? So I'm telling you as a prophet of God that God is here and he is ready to supersize everything that he has put in your heart. But you got to let him in and give him permission. You got to give him permission. I wrote down something before I read this last scripture that I've been chewing on all week. And I wrote down that every kingdom model must have a prophetic driver that drives that model. Every kingdom model, and it's the last scripture we're going to read, must have a prophetic driver that drives that model. Every kingdom model. And so when we look all through the Bible, Sister Helen, all through the Bible, God gives different people different models. He told Moses... In Exodus, what he wanted him to do. You're going to go, you're going to address the king and do all these things. Uh, he gave Nehemiah a model. He gave Joseph a model with trading corn and stuff like that. I mean, the Bible is amazing when you understand it in a systematic kind of way. It's phenomenal. He gave him a model. And, and, and the analogy that I heard is that if you, if you have a top Mercedes model, I don't know what kind of luxury car that you really want, or BMW. What kind of cars y'all like? Throw them out. What's your, what's, your, what's, your, what's your dream car? Come on, throw it out there. I, I want a Range Rover. I just like the I want to drive over everything, so I want a Range Rover. So come on, talk to me. Range Rover, you with me? Okay, all right, all right, come on. What, what, whatever it is. Come. You want a Range Rover? Y'all just biting off me. Go ahead. Uh, te oh, Tesla. Oh, you talking good right now. You talking good. Right? Uh, 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 I mean, we got all these expensive cars, right, which, which are awesome, right? Uh, right now I'm driving a Chevy, but God going to open the door, right? So uh, <laughs> I got my family car right now. God going to do something later, all right? Uh, but, but I love it because if, if, if you have a, a, a top-line Mercedes-Benz, right, model, but you can't put a Toyota engine in a Mercedes model, the engine is what drives the model. Got to get this. Uh, that engine is not conducive to accommodate that model. So if God gives us a model to win a city, and we're not, we don't have the prophetic driver or the prayer or the fasting that drives that model. God, you got to get this. It has to be, come on, Brother Ben, you, you, come on. It, it, the, the, the engine, thank you, Pastor Rick, has to match the model. God, you got to get this here today. Uh, uh, if I put a Toyota engine in a Tesla, it's not going to move. Or in a Range Rover, it's not going to move. The model has to match the engine because it drives the model, the heaviness of the car. So when we talk about God giving us a model to win a city, whether it's through campaigns, whether it's through going out in the streets, whether it's through telling people or cell groups or city life groups, ha we have to work through prayer and fasting in the prophetic word that God gave us in order to drive the model. Gosh, you got to get that. That model won't move unless there's a prophetic driver behind it. 
So when you hear me stand up and say that God's going to do great things, that's that prophetic driver driving that model. When I say that God's going to do exponential things, that's that prophetic word going out. It's driving that model. When I say I see harvest for our city, that's that prophetic word going out, driving the model. So you got to match the model. Now, if God just said, I just want you to go start a church, and, you know, we're just going to have a couple people that's going to be there. Guess what? We can do a Toyota engine. We can do Toyota fasting. <laughs> we can do Toyota prayers. We can do Toyota uh, harvesting. We can do Toyota evangelism. But when you talk about winning a city, it's going to take, you know, a Rolls-Royce engine to get that going. Right? Because the model is big, and we need an engine to drive the model. Gosh. Every model that God gave a man of God, God made them have a prophetic driver to match the model. I love this in 2 Kings, the last scripture we're going to read, verse number 6, verse 15. Uh, and when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And he answered, Do not fear. This is what the prophet told him. For those who are with us, are more than those that are with them. You hear that? Those that are with us, RCC, are more than those that are with them. That means that God never gives us an assignment that he has not given us the backing to get it done. And I'm not just talking about naturally. I'm talking about spiritually as well, right? Because there's spiritual forces that want to stop us and frustrate us. And that's why you got to stay prayerful. The last, two, the last verse in that says, And Elijah prayed and said, Lord... I pray, open his eyes that he may see. We got a lot of blind people hanging out with us right now, but we got to, I'm praying, God, open up their eyes. I need everybody to see what I see. As your pastor, as your, I, need God, I need you to see what I see. He said, Elijah, pray, God, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened his eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. Elijah was calm because he knew that he had saw already what God had done. But yet he had somebody around him who couldn't see. It's frustrating when you see and people around you don't see. Man, that's frustrating. And if you ever led anybody, if you've ever been in any kind of management position, you know it's frustrating when you're trying to get something done and you're the only one that sees what needs to be done. I mean, you just want to hit everybody with the mic. I mean, you just, it's frustrating. So my prayer for the last couple of weeks is, Lord, let them see what you've called us to do. Let them see the greatness of our assignment. Let them see the anointing that you put of our ministry. Let them see that you called us to win harvest and their family is involved in that harvest, their sons, their daughters. If we work the model and believe God for the harvest, so my prayer is God, open up their eyes that they may see, that you may see. Put your hand on your eyes and Lord, help me to see. Come on, ask God, help you to see. Help me to see. Let me see beyond my needs. Let me see what you're calling us to do as a church family. Close your Bibles. God told, spoke to Elijah and said, Elijah, Elijah was able to see clearly. But then he had a servant that couldn't see. And watch this. Because the servant couldn't see, the servant moved into fear and worry because he couldn't see. Blindness will cause you to confess death when death is not even near you. 
Can I say it again? Blindness will cause you to confess death when death isn't even near you. That servant thought they were going to die. That's it. We're done. Elijah, we're finished. Elijah, Lord, let him see. <laughs> let him see. Watch this, because the enemy wants you to speak death. Right? A Jesus was sleeping in the bottom of the ship, and there was a storm, and the disciples came to him and said, don't you care that we're about to die? Right? They, they didn't understand the authority of the kingdom. They couldn't see. Jesus goes to the top of the ship and says, peace be still. The storm stops. And he says, oh, ye of little faith. You almost killed all of us with your crazy talking. <laughs> you, you almost killed us. So, 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 so I tell people, if you can't speak faith, don't speak nothing. You're better off being silent, even for your own life. Sometimes the enemy wants to cause false images to appear in your life. False images to appear in your life. Because the servant didn't see it doesn't mean it wasn't there. He didn't have eyes to see. So I'm praying that God give you eyes to see for your life so you understand who you are. You don't understand your own value. When you understand your own value, you'll be running through those doors. When you understand what God has for you, you'll be running through those doors. When you can finally see that God has a great plan for you and he reveals it every time you come through these doors. He's pulling you closer and closer and closer and closer and closer and closer so that we can win the harvest of the city. I want you to stand to your feet. Close your Bibles and stand to your feet. God has given us, and Rob, you can just come play something for me, a, a, an assignment. And that assignment cannot be complete with a Toyota engine. We got to, you know, some people, that, here, you know, here it is. I'm in the Tesla, and I got some people trying to, Pastor, let's try this Toyota and let's slow it down. Let's put a Toyota engine in. Or you got a race car, and you're trying to put a Toyota engine in the race car, or a Mazda in the race car, and it can't hold the capacity of the speed. But God can give you a word that can hold the capacity of the speed that he's called you to go in. Are you understanding what I'm telling you here today? Because the laws are different in the kingdom. We're not subject to the laws of this world. The Bible says we live by higher principles and higher laws. Moses was an ordinary guy, ready to be content, the Bible says, ready to settle down, and God comes and taps him on the shoulder. Moses just had a baby, and God, now you're going to give me an assignment. God, I got all these issues going on in my life, and God, you're going to give me an assignment like this. God says, this is perfect timing. He says, man, what, what better time for you to lean on me? Now you really need me. This is perfect. That's why he doesn't show up when you think you got it all together, because you won't, you won't lean on him. But when things are chaotic, he says, hey, I got an assignment for you. Now, could he have done this five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago, eight years ago? He says, no, then you would have did it in your own strength. But now you can't depend on nobody but me. I mean, he's a pro at making sure you lean on him. And what I'm telling you is that he is strong enough for you to lean on. He is solid enough for you to lean on. He has enough in him for you to lean on. He's not going to break. Lean on him. Man, there's days I lean on God hard, lean on him. I say, God, I'm leaning heavy on you today. If I don't lean on you heavy today, I'm not going to get out of the day. But if you can take an ordinary man like Moses, 
interrupted his life to have a solution to a system. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. If you could take an Abraham and bless him until you multiply him, I'll go. And if you could take a Joseph and give him a vision and make him prime minister, I'll go. If you could take a David who was a shepherd and you make him a king, I'll go. I mean, you got you to get this. You got to understand this. Uh, Daniel, uh, who, who, who was just, he, he, he was in the fields as well, simple-minded person, but God chose him to work in government and give solutions. I'll go. He just asks for somebody to stop fighting his plan and agree with his plan so that he can use you. So I want you to ask God right now, right where you stand. God, I want the spirit of obedience. Give me a, a heart that is tender and soft to your voice. God, give me a heart that is sincere to what you're asking to be done. Take the fight out of me that fights your will. Take the fight out of me that fights your will. Help me to trust you. Help me to be like that young man. Give me sights that I can see. Let me see that there's more with us than be with them. Let me see that we're not alone. Let me see that you have great harvest for us. Let me see that you said you'd never leave us nor forsake us. Let me see. Come on, as you lift your hands up for a couple of moments, God's going to begin to release. God's going to begin like he did Abraham. He can bless you, and that blessing will multiply you. As your hands are lifted, God's going to do like he did to that young man. He's going to let you see. Some of you can't see provision right now. You can't see a way out of what you're going through. He said, but I'm going to touch your eyes, and when you can see what I see, you're going to calm down. The enemy is trying to frustrate you. He's trying to get you worried about your family. He's trying to get you worried about your children. But if you give it over to him, if you give it over to him, give it over to him. He says, I want you to take this God-sized dream that I'm giving you. Don't make it small. Don't shrink it. Don't make it according to your size. Well, God, I'm only able to do this and that. God says, I know what you can do, but you know what I can do. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, I made you. I, I know what you can do. But do you know what I can do? I mean, man, that, that, that's what gets me up every morning. I mean, that wakes me up. That gets me going. Uh, uh, hey, God, uh, I only have, I know, Andre, I know what you can do. But, man, have you, have you heard what I can do? <laughs> have you seen what I can do? Yeah, I mean, if, if you just believe, that's all I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to believe. If you can believe, man, if you, you'll see what I can do. And what I can do is far greater than what you can do. What I can do is far bigger than what you can do. So today I stand in agreement with you for your God-sized dream. I stand in agreement with you that God is allowing you to see. I stand in agreement with you 
that you see your family saved and healed and delivered. I stand in agreement with you that you see your body healed and no sickness. I stand in agreement with you that you shall live a long, happy, healthy, wealthy life. I stand with you that debt is canceled in your life and it's not choking you to death. I stand with you that the spirit of oppression, depression, anxiety is breaking off of your life in the name of Jesus. And today, you claim the healing power and healing virtue of Jesus. That's what I stand with you. I asked somebody the other day, I said, how you feel? They said, well, I have this, whatever the condition was. I said, so stop having it. Let it go. See how the world got you confessing what you have? Yeah, you do have it. Stop having it. Let it go. Oh, the doctor said, I have cancer. Let it go. I have high blood pressure. Stop having it. Let it go. I have anxiety. Stop having it. Let it go. You don't have to have it. You can let it go. Come on. Don't have it. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's it. He, Jesus paid the price. Stop letting your confession say, I have it. Stop having it. <laughs> let it go. Let it go. No need of you and Jesus having it. I mean, if anybody can handle the half, it could be him. He can handle the half. Father, I pray today a special blessing on those that are here today. They have pressed their way today. God, I pray a special blessing. I pray that you expand their territory, expand their thinking, expand the word that's in them. Father, as we march forth on the assignment that you called us to do, and they walk in obedience, God, I pray that you let them see. Let them see. Let them see. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Come on, clap those hands one more time and give Jesus glory.